in the South. If it's done right, it's done on the porch. Welcome to the Philosophy and Theology Porch. In this episode, we're going to take another sidetrack at the request of some listeners uh, that just has to do with utilitarianism as an ethical theory. Um, this was recorded, for whatever reason, during one of my uh, courses where I'm teaching an intro to philosophy course. So you'll hear, <clears throat> depending on how you adjust the volume, you'll be able to hear some interaction between some students' questions and, and myself and one another as we go over utilitarianism as a as an ethical theory um specifically some of the some of the major problems with utilitarianism uh especially as it uh, pertains to classical utilitarianism um i'm going to edit a bit of this uh following uh lecture uh to take off some of the beginning of what i would call just a rabbit trail or tangent um, before the actual uh lecture proper began um just to fill you in the, the tangent uh, just had to do with, and the only reason I'm saying this is because it may be of interest to you, but the only the, the tangent was just specifically uh, in relation to uh, the new cultural spin on what it means to be diverse or to promote diversity and what it means to be tolerant or to promote tolerance. Um, of course, what I wanted my students to realize was just that the new spin on this, the new spin on tolerance, uh, namely that all beliefs are to be held as equal and valid and just as true as any other belief or ideology, it just ends up being self-referentially coherent. Um, and then the same with tolerance, um, the new spin on tolerance being that uh, every idea, every belief is just as equal or is just as valid as any other, ends up being philosophically incoherent, um, <clears throat> namely because that idea itself can't be any better or worse than any other uh, which you get the point. You can follow all the other apologetics podcasts to, to, to touch on that if you want. But anyway, that was the tangent. So enough of my rambling. And as Billy Madison once said, a great philosopher, proceed with the lecture. All right, fine. But now you're just teaching them what? What you want them to believe. Or are you teaching them criti- how to think critically? So they can question even what you believe. And if they question what you believe, does that piss you off or does that make you mad? Because if it does, then your problem isn't really critical thought. Your problem is you just didn't like what they already believed when they came in the classroom. That makes sense? All right, enough of the tangent. Let's get to utilitarianism and ethics. What is utilitarianism? Believe this or else. <laughs> That's argument ad vacuum, right? That's a logical fallacy. Yeah, that'd be like if I, after my rant then, or a little sidetrack, if I were to say, in fact, guys, if you don't believe this, I'm going to stick you in the knife with a neck. Stick you in the knife with a neck? Yeah, you didn't like that? <laughs> I like my knife, man. Stick you in the knife with a neck. <laughs> so utilitarianism. Does anybody know what this is? Utility. What does it mean to be a utility player if you're on a baseball team? What's that? No, man, it means what? You can be... No, not quite that bad. It's about a step up from that, but it's not bad from that. They, they put you anywhere, right? So in the mid-90s, when I was watching the Braves all the time, they had a utility player. Like, one game he might be at second base, one game he might be in left field, one game... I mean, he literally was what? He was there for what? Whatever they needed. Right, for utility. Like, he was utilized 
whatever he needed for, for whatever whatever particular position he needed to be at the time. So totalitarianism, kind of to go with that analogously, is just what can this do? What are the consequences of these specific actions? So, right, so what is ethics? Ethics is supposed to be normative. This is how you're supposed to act. Remember, prescriptive behavior, not descriptive. What was the difference? Descriptive behavior does what? You said it rightly last time. Descriptive. Describes, right? It just describes the way societies act. Again, something anthropologists and sociologists and, and among other things, some of the stuff they do. But prescriptive, what does a doctor do? What does it mean when he prescribes your medicine or whatever? Right, it's, it's, it's what's supposed to be taken, right? You're supposed to take this. So in the same or analogous fashion, prescriptive ethics are the way things ought to be done, right? That's the way things ought to go. So in, in, by way of a quick review for Selena and some of the others, we've got all kinds of views. We've got utilitarianism. We've got what? Ethical egoism or relativism, which would fall under that. We've got what? Deontological ethics. We've got virtue theory. We've got natural law theory. We've got graded absolutism. We've got hierarchicalism. We've got uh, divine command theory. Right. Virtue theology. Right. Virtue theory. We said that one. Natural law theory. We said that one. Yeah. Graded absolutism. Right. We said that one. Situation. Good. That's another good situation ethics. So we've got all of these systems of ethics. Remember, because we're supposed to, all right, how do we know what is good? What, how do we know the right? How do we know the wrong? And then how do we know how to apply that? How do we know, what are the, what's the decision-making process that we take to decide what's right and wrong? What's the right course of action for me to take? Now, what we talked about in our last class is we kind of went into, we haven't gone into divine command theory yet, but because it was the first thing that the book touched on, we went ahead and talked about why that critique of divine command theory, the Euthyphro Dilemma, didn't necessarily work, right? Now, are there other problems that may right, come up with divine command theory that we may talk about? Sure, that, sure, there are other things that may come up within that that we'll talk about. But at least what he offered, the only reason we object uh, or, or brought that up is because what he brought up as the, basically the what, the silver bullet to divine command theory <clears throat> just didn't work. Why? Does anybody remember? Without even having... Go ahead. Right. The silver bullet, why it didn't work. Well, what he offered is the silver bullet. Because there's just a logically possible third alternative, right? Right, remember? Right, just a false dilemma because it wasn't truly a dilemma in the full sense, in the robust or the philosophical or logical sense of the word. It wasn't a true dilemma. Again, we'll look in, in, at some of that stuff even in more depth when we get to divine command theory. But right now, what we're going to talk about today is utilitarianism. Now, what's that? Descriptive ethics are just how, you know, a sociologist might describe how people are acting, how societies act, how cultures act. Did we actually cover the third, the third premise of the dilemma, or, or like a third possibility, or did we just say that there must be a third possibility? No, we just said it was. Here's your third possibility. What was it? Just grounded in the nature of, and then in an accord or commands or wills in accord with that standard which is grounded in the nature of, say, the the divine being or whatever. That's your logically possible third alternative, which gets rid of the arbitrary, because it can't will, can't will against the nature, and then gets rid of the standard over and above, because it's his nature, or the divine being's nature or whatever. So... 
Anyway, what, what I said earlier was you will see all of these ethical theories even in your own life. You'll see how you've used all of these in your life. You've used a combination of these. Now, the point of any of these specific ethical theories, though, remember, is not just to make a combination out of them, right? The point is to use one of them. A utilitarian is going to argue that you need to use what? Utilitarianism, right, in order to make your ethical decisions. So if utilitarianism is concerned with the consequence, sometimes this is called what? Has anybody heard of consequentialism? So if utilitarianism is concerned with the consequence of acts, certain acts, then what do you think the mode, what do you think the way in which you'll decide what you ought to do in a given situation, what do you think will be that mode? Right, you've got to look at the consequences, right, of what this action will produce. Now, have you ever done that in your life? Yes. Yeah, right? I mean, we've all, all right, if I do this, then this will happen. If I do this, then this will happen, right? Now, on its face, there's nothing wrong with that. Again, especially if you're, if, if you're working in some sort of combination with that, right? There's nothing wrong with that per se. Now, what I wanted to do is I wanted to bring in this extra textbook because it goes through and lists a couple of the benefits. So I want to read some of these benefits to you. Oh, well, there's going to be some big stuff wrong with it. Like instance, We're getting for, to for, like, in, in the movie Watchmen, um, the, the villain was the utilitarian. Like, he was, he was, I don't know if he was, he was, but, like, he, he, like, bombed Manhattan in order to, like, he killed millions to save billions in one word. Right, well, yeah, that, I mean, that would be an ultimate act, what would be called an act utilitarian. Um, and we'll distinguish between an act utilitarian and a rule utilitarian in a minute. But what I think where you want to pay attention, because where this is going to be fun, is when we start to go through what's wrong with utilitarianism. But one of the first things that we want to talk about is, is, is first off, remember, we're trying to, and again, Monday we talked about this in depth. This is ethics. Remember, what's over and above ethics? If I could write on the ceiling. Meta-ethics, right? Because if this is the way that we ought to behave, if ethics is going to be the system we use to show us how we ought to behave, then meta-ethics, like metaphysical, anything else, that, what is the good? What is right and wrong? To begin with, before we get into to show me how to behave, what grounds, remember the metaphysical question, what provides this metaphysical grounding for what is right, what is wrong to begin with, Right? Now, remember, what we said is we're going to see how a lot of these ethical systems are going to try to answer that question within them what? Within themselves, right? All right, so utilitarianism, what does it take as the prime directive? What does it take as the fundamental, the axiomatic kind of stuff that we were talking about? What does it say? What is this built on, the, the prime principle that utilitarianism is, is, is built on? Favorable consequences. You should do the right thing or you will because of the consequences. <laughs> Not necessarily. But you're, at least when you say consequences, you're like, oh, well, consequences. So that's good. That's the right part. But utilitarianism says the right is what provides what? The most flourishing to the most people. Right? Or, if you want to say it this way, you could say what provides the most pleasure to what? The most people. That is what? That is, well, that's what you're talking about using, but that's what? That's the good. That's what we mean by good. What? 
that which provides the most pleasure to the maximum number of people, right? This is what, and this is classic utilitarianism. And this would also, right now, at this moment, this would be uh, true for both, both versions, act utilitarianism, rule utilitarianism. You always do what? You do the action or you make the decision that will provide the most benefit, the most pleasure for the most people, right? So what, that's, your, that's your building point. Most pleasure. There's already an issue, There's already an issue there because you're shitting on the little man there. For most people. Hang on to that. All right, so I'm going to tell you this again. My concern is not so much that you know names and dates and all that kind of stuff because remember, I want you to be able, when you leave this course, at least to be able to do a little bit of philosophy. I mean, and of course, it's important to be able to understand it, no doubt. I mean, it's hard to do it if you don't understand it. But I want you to be able to do it to some extent, right? Like what we were doing earlier about our little tangent thing about just thinking critically. But anyway, it has its roots in Jeremy Bentham and John Stuart Mill. Again, I'm not going into depth about that because that's not necessarily what I want you to know. But I do want you to know if somebody says, well, who came up with utilitarianism? You can say, well, I mean, historically, John Bentham, and or Jeremy Bentham, rather, and John Stuart Mill. Um, now, one of the reasons that this has such appeal is because this is supposedly not using what? It's not using some sort of religious principle, right? Or it's not using some sort of controversial type principle. It's just saying, like, this is your principle, most pleasure for the most people, which is supposed to be at least what? Neutral in some sense, right? It doesn't have any sort of metaphysical baggage along with it. It's just assumes this, and, we, and it goes with it. Now, one of the appeal, appeals of it, or first, it's relatively, again, it's, it's pretty much a simple theory to apply, at least in, in, in theory, right? It's relatively what? Simple. All right, well, if I do this, then this. You know, or apply what? What brings about the most pleasure, what? For the most, most amount of people in, the, in a given situation, or whatever the case may be. Now, and again, like this author says, all one must do is weigh the anticipated good consequences of an action against its anticipated harmful ones and see if the bottom line produces a greater balance of benefits over harms. Now, second, second appeal, it avoids the rigid or the rigidity of deontology. Now, in this book, I think they've already talked about deontology, but remember, deontology, and we'll talk about that, is these strong almost legalistic principles that basically you do this principle no matter what and to hell with the consequences. So deontology is not worried about what? The consequences. It's you do, this is the right thing. You do the right thing, you let the consequences take care of themselves. So again, this is supposed to be one of the appeals of, of, of utilitarianism is that it, it, it avoids that rigidity or that seemingly just too legalistic type approach to ethics. So it says that, or in other words, it keeps morality from being reduced to abstract principles that must be strictly followed regardless of consequences produced by them. So, for instance, real quickly, just to give you an example of what I mean, when Corrie Ten Boom, you know, who's captured, she wasn't a Jewish lady, but was captured, was helping the Jews during, during the Holocaust. <clears throat> The Nazis come up to the door. She's hiding Jews in her basement or wherever they're hiding them. Her family, they're hiding them, right? The Nazis, hey, do you have any Jews here? Well, in deontology, what, sh what should she do? 
Banana. What's that? <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. No, her, on deontology, she tells the truth, no matter what the consequences are. You let the consequences take care of themselves. You do the right thing. The right thing is to tell the truth in this situation. Then you worry about the consequences or you let those take themselves. Something like utilitarianism, and again, I don't think utilitarianism is going to be able to do it, but at least in practice, it's going to say something like, well, you know, I'm going to, in principle, this will benefit more people than not, so I'm going to say no. But again, that's not monopolized by utilitarianism. Like, you've got a lot of other systems that are going to say, yeah, you would not tell the Nazis they're there. But just so you know what I'm talking about in deontology, deontology, again, very rigid, very legalistic. You do the right thing now, you let the con- you don't worry about the consequences, right? So, in the, anyway, <clears throat> utilitarianism is, is at least one of it, it's supposed to end, be an end around against that kind of ethics, something like deontology, which we'll talk about, you know, later in a later class. Now, again, without question, deontological principle-based systems can be legalistic and can sacrifice people at the expense of holding to one's principles. Now, third, supposedly utilitarianism doesn't require special appeal to any religious authority for morality. We've already talked about that. Rather, it appeals to non-moral criteria for determining the good. Now, I think, kind of to jump ahead of ourselves, I think already this is where we're going to say our first problem is when it says it, it uses what? It appeals to non-moral criteria for determining the good. Now, now kind of, let me write that down just so you won't forget that. It supposedly uses non-moral, or I, we can even say it this way better, amoral. Amoral criteria for determining the good. Why, why would that supposedly be an appeal right off the bat? Because they're supposedly non... I mean, if something's not moral, if it's amoral, then at least it shouldn't be controversial, right? It's kind of like saying this desk is whatever color it is. Well, that's not necessarily controversial, right? But if I were to say you ought to, blah, 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 then you might have what? Disagreements immediately, right? So we'll keep that in mind. Now, fourth, most people know intuitively that the consequences of one's action must be taken seriously. Again, like we said that earlier, I mean, we've all done this, right? You take into consequence or you think about what the consequence of your, what your action may be, right, before you make some particular choice, right? There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Now, the two schools of thought in utilitarianism, roughly speaking, are act utilitarianism and rule utilitarianism. Um, and we'll kind of get into the difference in those. Basically, the rule utilitarian is going to try to hold on to a couple general principles. And then they would say, based on these general principles, you don't ever do this because based on these, these particular principles, no good ever results from this. So the reason, like, say, uh, I can't, you know, rape, you know, <clears throat> a little child or whatever is because, generally speaking, it never, good never results from that kind of thing. Now, this resembles what, though? This starts to resemble deontology, right, where you're basing your ethical choice on a principle, right? Does that make sense? So strictly speaking, it's supposedly utilitarian because you're still doing it for the consequence that it may bring about. But 
it resembles deontology because it's about this principle about, well, generally speaking, I'm, I'll never rape because rape generally brings about bad results, right? Something like that. So that's your difference between act and rule utilitarianism. Now, Joshua started to already touch on one of the things that might be a difficulty with utilitarianism. And I want us to think about this. Look, this is where I want you guys to get involved is right now we're talking about ethics. We're talking about ethical theories. These are supposed to what? Help us determine how to act, how to do what's right. Remember, this utilitarianism wants to give you what kind of ethics? Prescriptive or descriptive? Right. It wants to give you prescriptive, normative ethics, right? What do I mean by normative? Same thing as I mean by prescriptive. Normalcy. This is the way it ought to be. This is what should be normal in that sense. And I'm using that loosely there, but that's roughly what normative means there, the way things ought to be. Utilitarianism wants to give you an ethical code by, way, by which what? You always act this way. And remember, this is what's going to determine what's good, Right? This, what brings the most pleasure for the most amount of people, is the right thing to do. Does that make sense? That tells you the good. Remember, utilitarianism, because these ethical questions, these ethical theories supposedly, what? What is right and wrong? All right, well, utilitarianism is going to tell you. Most, the most pleasure for the most people, that is the good. Right? Because remember earlier we are talking about, well, wait a minute, we want to know this metaphysical question of what grounds the right, what grounds the good. They're saying this doesn't. This is what will do it. Now think about that. If utilitarianism is what we have so far, and this is its basic axiom, mo the most, what brings about the most pleasure for the most number of people, and it supposedly is, it uses an amoral or non-moral, criteria for determining the good, what are some of the problems that we're already run, we might run into? Also, also, you can't calculate that what you're going to do is going to be sure to give people the most benefit. You probably have a better option or a worse option. Well, that might be, but what were you going to say? Because what provides the most pleasure for the most people is not always the right thing to do. Well, it is according to this. But, like, my neighbor has a little yippy dog, uh -huh. and... Shot Everyone dog. hates Everybody. that dog. <laughs> if I went and chopped its head off and then made dog soup for the whole block and it was delicious, that that would bring the most pleasure to the most people. Except for my neighbor who would be crying because she loved that little dog. Well, the Utilitarian says, you know what? It's the right Your thing neighbor. to do. <laughs> That's the right thing to do. You got you got seventy percent of people. Well, let's just make it more radical, just so it'll be that much more obvious. You've got 99% of the people, so you've got 100 people in your neighborhood, that are miserable. Or not, maybe not even miserable. They don't like it. It's not bringing them pleasure. You've got 1% that's in pleasure, or that has a significant amount of pleasure. This significant amount. The right action would be what? Shoot the damn dog. The right action would be to what? Reverse this. Where 99% of the people are what? 99% of the pleasure. Right. 
where 99% of the people are happy or at least have the most pleasure, and just 1% is not, right? The Italian says, you say that's not the right thing, but this is the right thing. This makes it the right thing. Utilitarianism says, you, you, this is, think about how radical this. It's not, utilitarianism is not saying that this justifies you doing it. Because, and again, utilitarians have gotten tripped up here. And I'll, you'll see why in a second. But utilitarianism is not saying that this, that this equation justifies you doing this. It says, this is what you what? Ought to do. This is the good thing. It doesn't justify why you do that because to say that it justifies it, this is where you tell some of you times have gotten tripped up, is to say if it justifies it, ah, that's supposing that what? It There's some standard that utilitarianism what? Is breaking. But we're not really breaking it. You see what I'm saying? So they're saying, no, look, look, this shows we're not really breaking it because we're just, this, the, the, the equation is, is off, so we're balancing it. Ah, but if you didn't, if there wasn't a standard above utilitarianism, you would need to be justified for it. Who are you justifying it to? You are the standard, utilitarian. Or your method is the standard. So you can't say that it justifies it, right? Because then you're tacitly admitting that there's a standard above utilitarianism that utilitarianism has to be justified by. So you can't say that it justifies it. You have to say what? You have to bite the bullet and say what? This is it. This is the good. It's not that when Wes kills the dog that he's justified in doing so. It's that Wes is doing the good. It is a good thing for him to kill the dog. Right? Why? Because it brings the most pleasure to the most people. There's option C, just get a muzzle. Right? You could do that, right? That even that makes you know everybody. Say you don't have a muzzle. Just make, let's make a thought experiment. Let's say there's just no possible way you could have a muzzle. No, there's no other option except for you to kill the dog. What does, you, what does this say do? Kill the dog. Right? All right, so one of the other problems, that's the first problem that we already see, is that there's just something intuitively wrong about, like Wes says, killing the dog. There just seems to be, some, even if it doesn't make necessarily everybody happen, happy, there just seems to be something intuitively not since, right about that. Since we're in the world where, where there's no muzzles. Right, whatever the in case may be. you kill the dog, it turns into a giant demon that kills everybody. Right, something like that. Now, now, but let's go with real world examples. Utilitarianism <laughs> almost what? Almost always can never protect what? The rights of who? The, one, the low percentage. Minorities. Almost never can utilitarianism ever protect the rights of minorities. Why? Because they're the minority. Because you don't have to give a damn about what? The minority. Their pleasure. Let's say you've got thirty percent minority. Let's say you've got a. Let's say you've got. Let's say you've got. Let's say you've got forty percent minority. Let's say you've got fifty, forty-nine percent minority. Forty-nine point nine nine times ten. And then you've got what? Fifty-one percent majority. Well, who matters? Yeah. Right. This matters on utilitarianism. So, your 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 first real world example. Could utilitarianism ever say that slavery in pre-Civil War South was wrong? No. Nope. 
Because slavery brought about what? For the most people. Right? Brings about the most pleasure for the most people. Right? Now go ahead, ahead, Wes. Actually, if you're using utilitarianism and you're using the numbers, it would be the exact opposite of that. Well, no, there was was a high slave population, right? But over the North American continent, Uh, the European lineage still far outnumbered the slave lineage, right? I, I, I thought you were talking about that. Right. Well, even there, it wasn't as, as disproportionate as people want to say it was. Now, on each individual plantation, it would have been, right? Because those were the slave owners, right? But not just proportionally out through whoever else lived in between plantations and all those sorts of things, which still benefited from that system, at least in some shape, form, or fashion. So, for instance, it provided cheap labor, and it made the South what? Very prosperous, clearly benefited more people than it harmed. But, of course, no one today would do what? Justify that, right? On any grounds. No, I mean any rational person or any right-minded person is not going to say that slavery is the right thing. We're just going to take that as axiomatic at this point, right? Right. Now, if I, again, if I'm in some setting where I have to argue against slavery, then I'll, all right, I'll take that seriously. But right now, we're going to just go ahead and, for the sake of time, argue that slavery is not a good thing, right? At least, should you know, the, the, the slavery practiced in the, in the South pre-Civil War. Now, also, you know, and, and Scott Ray points this out, is that utilitarianism can also be done to do what? Not only does it justify something like that, like slavery or whatever the case may be, in a minority position, but it would be not only, again, permissible or justifiable... To, to do what? To contrive, say, evidence against a what? An innocent man. Right? What if you what if you found a guy that's innocent? You know he's innocent. It's been shown that he's innocent to everybody in the know. But if you let this guy go, massive chaos results. Riots, blah, 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 whatever the case may be. Utilitarianism, what do you do? You frame him. You set him up, you put him in prison for life, even though you know that he's what? Completely innocent. Now, does that justify that, or is that what? No, it doesn't justify. It's more radical. What is it? That's what you what? Ought to do. That's not, and it's not just justified it's under utilitarianism. It's what? That's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to put the innocent guy in prison. Or reverse that. What if there's a guy... You know, you know that he's guilty. Guilty as hell. The stuff he's done. Bad, 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 bad stuff. But let's say there's a certain climate within the culture. If you convict this guy, riots, social unrest, whatever the case may be. What do you do in that case? Utilitarianism. Let him go. And not only does it justify it, but it's what? It's the right thing to do. Let's say you watched with your eyes the video evidence of the whatever it is that he did, but the right thing to do, to do at the exact same time is what? Let him go. Not You don't have to say, yeah, this justifies it. At least I can sleep at night. No, you say, no, that's the good. I did the good thing. That's good. That is the good to let him go to do this. Right? Now, a rule utilitarian comes in. They want to try to get around this. And they say, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We know that generally speaking... Something like letting 
innocent men go to prison will produce more harm than good in the long run. What might be the problem with that? First question is, how do you know that? Right, right, right. Yeah, that's fallacy. How do you know? How do you not know that if you go ahead and convict innocent people, if it helps get out of social unrest or riots or chaos or whatever, how do you know? It's like future right back a little bit. Right, you don't know that. Or appeal to the future or just appeal to ignorance or something. Well, the only reason you think that that causes harm is why? Not based on your utilitarianism. Based on something else. Right, based on something else. Right, not utilitarianism. So it doesn't seem that rural utilitarianism can get out of some of the same predicaments. Now, there's other problems. When it says the most pleasure for the most people is what you ought to do, same question pops up. What's that? How do you know know that this particular act, which you were kind of saying earlier, how do you know that this particular act will what? You don't know. You just can't possibly know something like that. That's why one of my crazy dogs came in tangent. Right. You just can't know that. Right? How do you know that this particular act will bring the most pleasure to the most people? Now, one of the other, one of the, another problem is what? Another problem is what? Now, and this is one of my favorites. Two things, two-pronged problem here. <coughs> How do you define this? How do you define this? Uh, <laughs> this we could talk about what? We could dedicate a, an entire course to how we define this, right? Yeah. Now, that's problem one of that one, pleasure... Who defines pleasure? Who defines, quote-unquote, flourishing, or whatever the case may be? Because some have tried to say it as whatever promotes human flourishing for the most amount of people, something like that. Now, two, just as deadly, perhaps more deadly than this, is how do we define it, pleasure, or flourishing? How do we define flourishing? How do we define pleasure is, what do you think the second one might be? According to who? Hitler or Mother Teresa? Because what if Hitler makes an argument? Well, man, when we take over the world, eventually, what? That will provide the most pleasure to the most number of people on the planet. We'll We'll have what? Unity of thought. We'll have what? No races. We'll have no what? None of these racial wars. None of this. Why? Because they'll be gone. Hmm. Most number of people eventually will what? Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Well, all this will provide the maximum amount. Or let's say you have somebody like Mother Teresa running around or whoever else. No, 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 no. That's not what will provide what? The most pleasure to the most number of people. Or that won't be what contributes to human flourishing to the most number of humans. Well, crazy, another crazy and again, how do you know that? Right? How would you know? Another crazy idea is to kill off the people who are at displeasure to increase the percentage of pleasure. What's that? Kill off the people who are at displeasure to increase right, the sure. percentage. Right. I mean, and, that, and that's what you ought to do, right? Again. If, if, if there's, and you can do this with thought experiments easily, if there is some certain scenario where the right thing would do, be to do, all right, let, let's do one. Let's say that there's a, a mentally handicapped child. Let's say she's 11 years old or whatever the case may be. And 
in order for everyone to relieve their, let's say they live on this island or whatever, there's 60 people, and in order to relieve their frustration with, with the situation that they're in, they know they're probably not going to be picked up, they know they're probably not going to be taken home or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. In order to relieve their frustration and in order for them to, from just combating each other, turning on each other, to release this aggression, this frustration, they decide every every four or five hours, whosever turn it is, they get to go to this, this handicapped little girl and just beat the absolute hell out of her for 45 minutes an hour, whatever the case may be. And so by doing that, they release their regret. It allows the majority of the group to flourish. They're fine. They, they get along. Somebody gets pissed. Oh, I've got an outlet. They go and they beat the little girl for 45 minutes or an hour or do whatever they want to her for an hour or so. Does that provide the little girl dissatisfaction and and, and, and in pleasure and no flourishing? Right, it does. But it provides what? Pleasure for the most amount of people. But the most pleasure goes to the group, right? So it doesn't justify the actions of them doing that to the girl, does it? It is the right thing. That's right. That's what you do under utilitarianism. Now, also... This is what's really funny to me. Before we get to the big, big, big objection, which I think is the most philosophically incoherent, is that defined. <laughs> so, a, a lot of people would say that utilitarianism is fine because, you know, most good for the most amount of people. But a lot of times, what's crazy is the same group of people will be against. Go ahead. According to who? Pleasure according to who? Whose standard or whatever. If you think that utilitarianism, if you want to say, all right, there's some hard cases, you know, blah, 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 but I'll just bite the bullet and take it. I've noticed a, a certain group, and I can't say it in here, but I've noticed a certain group that will embrace utilitarianism, some sort of system like that. But then that exact same group will be vehemently against, say, torture of the detainees at some of these camps that the United States government has set up. Now, on utilitarianism, is there a problem there? No. Right. You can't possibly be against what? Oh, yeah. Them being, them being against Illegal torture and waterboarding and blah, blah, blah. You can't possibly be against that. If what? If that protects, what? Right, the majority of the people. In fact, again, does it justify it? No, it's more radical at what? That's what you ought to do. So so let's say that you have the terrorist or whatever, and you bring in his little his, his child. Let's say his child has nothing to do with it. And the guy puts the gun to the kid's head and says, you tell me when I want to know. Tell me where the bombs are, whatever the case may be, or I put this bullet in your little boy's head. And let's say that the guy will tell him, and he'll save, you know, whoever, you know, couple, you know, the American citizens, wherever. What should he do on utilitarianism? He ought to. That's what he should do. <laughs> That's what he should do, right? Well, under utilitarianism. 
But don't we know that there's something wrong with shooting a little boy? Even if the dad's a turd, to put it lightly? We know there's not some, there's something not right about doing that, right? That there's some line. Wait, so how does that how does that benefit the larger group of people? Well, let's say if he does that, that's how he gets his information and it saves the rest of the people or whatever. Oh, you see what I'm saying? Right? Now again, that's where deontology would be. Would look attractive, right? You'd be like, man, I don't know what the consequences would be, but I'm not freaking shooting a kid because what? Just in and of itself what? It's wrong to shoot a kid, right? So remember earlier we were giving deontology the hard time, right? But now we kind of look at it like, oh, wait, man, you know, at least in this instance, this sounds right, right? So, and we're going we're to go through these. Uh, go ahead. But with deontology in that same situation, you need to write to let the terrors go. Oh, no. If you're not worried about the consequences... No they, guy tied up right here. no, they wouldn't say that because they would say that that guy's wrong, right? He's done wrong, so he's not necessarily what? Bad guys even put away. Right. Now, they might say you may not torture him or whatever the case may be, but you don't just let him go because he's a bad guy, he's done a bad thing, and they, he reaps the consequence of what he's done, right? Based on the principle, say, of bad people have to be brought to justice, something like that. Yeah, but deontology can't even... Know. But we're not to deontology yet, so let's don't, get, let's don't get tangled up on that. But, well, again, before we get to the biggest one, one of the problems, again, one of the, this is one of the weird things about utilitarianism, is that what value do individual persons have? What value do individual persons have? Well, like, everybody else in this room is one, and I'm, like, plus five. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because Bentham had this thing called a hedonistic calculus, and we won't get into that, how he determined what would bring about pleasures and all this kind of stuff, but we won't get into that. So, but he used numbers like that, like you'd be five, you'd be one, you might be five, you might be one, whatever. But anyway, what is an individual person worth? Spicy meatball on utilitarianism. One, seven billion? Six? Nothing. Why? Why is each individual person... Why are individual people not worth anything? Because the only thing that matters is the percentages. Right, the group. Right. So think about it this way: this is the, this is a, this is almost the silver bullet of against utilitarianism, and I'll think I'll share what I think is. But think about this: no individual person has any individual merit. It's never about an individual person. You don't matter so long as the statistics work. This is why you right? diversity team. Not necessarily, but I like how. But I like how you're trying to cross think there. No individual person matters, right? So what might be the right thing to do in one case with Katrina here, the very next day may be what? The wrong thing. The wrong thing. Just because of changes. Just because of the changes in percentages in the people group, numbers. No individual person has any worth at all. No individual person does. In fact, think about it. You could think of the most immoral, most evil practice, and there could be, in a thought experiment, a time in which what? That's, right. That's the right thing to do. Again, let's just do one. Take our little girl again, our little our handicapped girl on the island. Let's say one guy is a sociopath on the island, and he's a serial rapist. In order to keep him from, 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 from,
from brutalizing the rest of the encampment, right? <laughs> from hurting the rest of the women or whoever on the camp. They're like, look, this is we don't like it, but we're going to let this guy go brutalize this little girl every day. Every day to keep this guy, let's say they can, right? Every day we'll go let this guy do this to this little girl. Every day. That's the what? Right thing to do. It doesn't just justify it. It is what? The right thing. So you could think of any scenario, right, where the most evil of things could be the right thing to do, right? Now, this is what I think is, and, I, and I've got all kinds of stuff written down in here, and we're not even going to get into it, but I, I, I want to go ahead and skip over some of this just because I want to, yeah, go ahead. Under utilitarianism. No, that's that's you're being you're being self-centered there. You have to think about the group. But let's say that it does just to help your argument. Let's say that helps society somehow. Let's say that you do that because you want to invest in some company that makes you rich. You want to buy stock in the company and it makes you rich. But also, by you getting enough stock, it helps the company boost off into this potential whatever and employs thousands and thousands and thousands of people in, in the community and even in neighboring communities. So, yeah, that would be the right thing to do. Right? All right, so this is what I think is just the, the, the death nail of utilitarianism. It's supposed to tell you the what, right? The right thing to do. Right. It's supposed to tell you the good, right? What's its axiom? Um, Percentages. Why is that good? We don't know about metaphysics. We can't answer that question. Why is this good? If utilitarianism is supposed to tell me the good, it has to assume that this is what? Good. To get off the ground. But if utilitarianism is supposed to tell me what the good is, then how can I know that this is good? Because utilitarianism can't tell me that this is good. Why? Because it just what? It just assumes. It's just a circular argument. Remember, it's like saying the Bible is the word of God because the Bible says it's the word of God. It's just a circular argument. This is circular. If utilitarianism is supposed to define what the good is, as to already or a priori assume that this is good. But that's supposed to be what utilitarianism tells me. That's how I'm supposed to be able to figure out what the good is, right? But it has to assume what? So remember this whole thing we said earlier? This appeal about not, it supposedly has this non-moral criteria for determining the good. Well, is this good or bad? That's not non-moral, is it? You've snuck in a little moral what presupposition here, that this is a good thing. But wait a minute, didn't you tell me that you use non-moral criteria for determining the good? Is this good or bad? 
Is this moral or immoral to do this? Because if this is either immoral or moral, then why ought I believe this? Why ought I submit to this? You certainly can't tell me I ought to, right? Because ought implies what? That I, yeah, that I should. It's a moral connotation, right? I'm in such a huge disagreement that I can't even put you on the <laughs> Now, again, are we slaying utilitarianism yes. as a whole? Yes. No, not as a whole, right? Because we think that you, you ought to take into consideration the consequences of your actions, right? But are we... Well, that's not exactly what they're saying. But they're saying. are we swaying as a system? Yeah. Now, you, you may not be convinced. You may, you may think those problems aren't really problems. You may think that there's... Well, those aren't really necessarily problems. And so you may want to adopt utilitarianism. You said utilitarianism goes hand-in-hand with consequentialism. But, I mean, they are still two different things because utilitarianism is regarding people versus consequentialism is regarding well, but those consequences are bound up within people. It's the same sort of thing. Sometimes it's just called that because it's the consequence. Now, are we saying that you shouldn't take into consideration the consequences of your actions when you make decisions? No. But we are saying, or at least this argument seems to be saying, what? That if you're trying to build your entire ethical theory on what? Utilitarianism, then what? Then it's going to collapse. Yeah, but they're not based on moral... Then it's scary, right? So I, I can't hold utilitarianism as, as my ethical theory. Because I think, you know, and this is just me, but I think that there's something inherently wrong with, you know, some of those examples that we gave. Right, whatever the case may be, Right. All right, so utilitarianism, you know, justifies, you know, slavery or whatever the case may be. Russ, you know, you may not like that, but sorry, it's just because you're assuming there's right and wrong before you apply this method. Well, I don't think you're just assuming that. I think that you know that. I really, I mean, it's kind of like knowing, you know, what we talked about earlier about metaphysical issues such as reality. I just think you know reality. We can go into the arguments why I think you can know it, but I think it's the same with some of these moral principles too. I think you know that it's wrong to do some of these particular things. You don't need to say or look at the consequences to tell you if it's right or wrong or not. I think that you already know some of that. Like Wes said earlier, I could kill this dog, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily the right thing. Well, how does he know that? And why didn't we just disagree with him immediately? Does that prove that? No. But is that a red flag? Is that at least a red flag that there may be merit to that? <laughs> yeah, I think that's at least a red flag. Hey, yeah, it may be really wrong to just, you know, cut off the head of a yappy dog. Because, man, I hate yappy dogs. I, my in-laws have a yappy dog, dude, and I want to punt that thing through the microwave. <laughs> I, I didn't just bring that up out of nowhere. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's why when you said it, I immediately was like, yes, I can identify. I cannot stand yappy dogs. But I don't hurt them because what? It's wrong. It's not the right thing to do. It's wrong. <laughs> Even though that would bring me glee. You know, right? As long as he just sits there, maybe just mount him. You know, it'd be great. Whatever. I don't want to have to. Then I don't want to have to endure the auto eroticism <laughs> the dogs do. Any other questions?
Hang on, guys. Brian's got a question. Hang on, guys. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Brian's got a question. What's up? Well, if you could somehow manage to get everybody, well, that well, that that's the that's the goal, right? But the way you get there seems to be a very large problem, right? Oh yeah, that's a good that's a good thing. I forgot what that is. They do have some sort of response to that. Uh, and I can't remember what it is. You may want to look into more into utilitarianism too. I mean, you know, if it's if that interests you, you know, you can check it out. I mean, hey, I would check out Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy or the Internet Encyclopedia of Philosophy. And the reason I'm saying that's because I don't want you just to roam the internet. I mean, that's just it's just like walking into you know, if you don't know anything about food and you're wandering somewhere, you're probably going to die of food poison within you know <laughs> 20 minutes. Well, the same thing happens on the Internet, except you just don't know it. It's just like a kid. It's like a five-year-old walking into a food shop. That like, <laughs> they can be. We don't want to commit the genetic fallacy, right? They could be right, but that's not where we're going, right? So I would recommend something like Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, Philosophy on the Internet or Internet Encyclopedia of Philosophy on the Internet, if you want to look more into utilitarianism, something like that. Huh? Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's let's take this because this I think because this is one of the objections. Because this is one of the objections. Let's say you have two societies, right? Two cultures that are utilitarians, and let's say they come up and they engage. They have to engage in some way. Let's say whether it be there's some sort of conflict of interests, well then, what criteria is used to evaluate between which of them's decision? Because let's say it would come up 50% for this one, or, or let's say it would come up benef- just as equally beneficial for this society as this society. Well then, what, you know, what, well, then what system do you use to evaluate which is the better? You well, you just couldn't, right? You just couldn't. I mean, you just justify taking action when... There's like when it's complete. There's going to be one in which we don't. Well, Josh, right, 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 that's what he's saying. They, that's, what he's, that's what he's saying. They both want to do this, right? Yeah, then they're both, they're both at an obligation to not take action. Because if they're trying, the right if they're trying to be consistent with their, with their, with their ethic, yeah. with their ethical system, huh? You can't, they can't find a reason. Right, right. That's the point. It just wouldn't work, right? It just wouldn't work. I mean, they can't, they can't, they can't do anything in that regard. But again, if you want to see what they're responding, yeah. But if, yeah, quick, procreate. But if you, but yeah. But yeah, look, looking to see what their response that is. I forgot what it was. Look at that. So down with utilitarianism. Now, I mean, I, again, we want to we want to look at the positive aspects of that, right? But like what? Take into account your con- the consequences of what you when, before you do something, right? But at the same time, what? 
as a whole, it's just not a it's not a good way to make decisions. If that's if that's your if that is the criteria by which you use, that's not just, that's not a good system. At least I don't think so. Yeah, for me, I think there's I think that there's two or three that I kind of roll around in that I'm that I more or less feel like are, are the best. Can't say right now. I'll have to go through and let you see if you can figure it out. You gotta wait and find out next time. Yeah, next time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> philosophy porch. Welcome to the philosophy porch.